0: Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I am joined in the DMDII, the Digital Manufacturing and Innovation Institute. With my good friend and co-host,
1: Mr. Jason Zanger. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Good. How are you? You sound I'm, a little. I'm a rough. little. I'm a little rough right now. That's yeah. Okay. It's, I've got some really bad allergies going on right now, so I'm going to do my best to try to have my voice be as pleasant as possible. But as it's a eloquent. little raspy. It's a little raspy right now. So You're I fine. apologize about that.
0: Yeah, it's great to be here at DMDII. You know, every time I come into this facility, I get super excited about manufacturing. And as you know, you know, business is overall is really good. People and are busy right now. Manufacturing is just off the hook. Unemployment's at, what, 3%?
1: I think it's like two-something now. Yeah, it's really I mean, that's what it's I'm, that's awesome. That's what I'm hearing. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's... And you're it's, probably having a hard time finding people, aren't you? Not really. Or you've already filled. You had some seats that you needed to fill, and you've already filled those, so Well, so that's I mean, thing. we've been doing... Why don't you tell us what is going on? What is new at yeah, so right now? I have to say that Yes,
0: skilled laborers are difficult to come by nowadays, but I have a good optimistic approach to things. I I don't like to be negative about anything. I agree. And I think that manufacturing leaders, business owners, the people that are responsible to educate these young people in our industry are doing a good job of doing that. We are training our people.
1: And And I certainly am at Car Machine and Tool. Well, I think that one of the differentiating things is that your company is a good place to work. And there's going to be this, I don't know, phenomenon, whatever you want to call it, happening where as more people are needing people to work, they're going to be moving from the companies that are not like paying attention to things like leadership, good leadership, good management, good culture, good vision, all that kind of stuff that we talk about day in, day out on making chips. And they're going to be moving from the companies that are not doing that to the companies that are doing that. And those are the people, like your company, that are going to be getting the good manufacturing leaders, the good machinists, wh- whoever it is, and people that are going to be going to work for my company that paying attention to things like this. And those companies that just are not paying attention to their people in their company, they're going to really be struggling. They really are. And it's going to be a people problem. I could not agree with you more, Jason. And,
0: you know, I have to give credit to you because this has been an evolution of my business with regards to culture and really making that externally happening and people looking in. And I will share with you this email that I just received the other day. And it was from a young, tool and die maker. He was a machinist at the time and he said, hello, we met about six years ago. I interviewed with you for a position within your company. I did not get the job, obviously, but I've followed you for some time now. I'm very intrigued by your vision for modern manufacturing and I absolutely love it. I'm a tool and die maker now. I have been in the trade for about five years. Along my journey, I've met people in management unwilling to adopt and incorporate modern elements of manufacturing. I am not one of those people. I love dye making, and I am interested in contributing to its survival and to propel into the 21st century. I may not be in management, but I know that I am on my way to being so. I'm being mentored by the COO of my current employer. I'm being prepared for short and long-term assignments, but I'd love to be part of your vision. That's so great. That's I know. W- and an I remember email. this guy, kind of, sort of. But, you know, so it's all about brand. It's all about how you're looking externally to all the people that are looking at your company brand. And I'm attracting... Young people to my business, and you we know.
1: talked about this at episode one hundred of Making Chips when we did the roundtable. When Jess from Smalley Ring, she was purely focused on culture and hiring, and that because that is such a huge part of getting the right people there. So let me ask you a question, Jim. Have you ever heard the saying, "The best time to plant a tree is either twenty years ago or today"? Have you ever heard that I saying have before? Not heard that. It just kind of goes to the premise of with what you know now. If you would have thought of doing it twenty oh. years ago, it would have been amazing, but. You can't do that. So the right time to do it is right now. So let me ask you something. I didn't like know any it, better, Jason? Yeah, so, I did, but I, if, you know. okay. So, like with what you know now, yep. if you were to go back twenty years, what would you? What's like the one single thing that you would have started twenty years ago? Or it doesn't have to be twenty. It could no, be I know 10, exactly. It could I be know whatever. that answer. Yeah.
0: In in the simplest of terms, I would have worked on my business rather than in my business. I would have been highly networked, like I have been. It's doing- It's the whole
1: E myth. The E myth uh, statement. Yeah, I've read that book. No, you haven't. Don't lie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish I would have done things differently.
1: I didn't. I'm glad that I got on the horse eventually. Well, you're where are you at now, you know. But yeah. I think it's more of like a here's some advice for people that are there now, and it's like you know you're right. It's time to work on your business, and I would say. I would probably have that same thing. I I was going to be a little bit more specific about really paying attention to the people and trying to get them to raise them up so that I don't have to control and do everything myself. Because 20 years ago, I was a very controlling person as it related to managing the business. And I wouldn't have done that nowadays. I don't know
0: that it's all culture. I think there's no, just, that's I just think one component. It's
1: multi dynamic. It's one of the main components. It is
0: one of the main components for sure. But. So,
1: the reason that I ask you that question is sure. because everybody is talking nowadays about the skills gap problem and that we need to do something to fix it. And there's a lot of people that are fixing it now and they're doing things now and they're starting things now and they're starting to do things in their organizations now. But my interview with Greg Jones, we're going to talk about what AMT, the Association for Manufacturing Technology, they have been doing things in order to educate students for quite a long time. So we're going to talk, Greg and I talk about this, and I think that they're going to continue to do more, but they did start this 20 years ago or something close wow, to that. Wow, 20 years ago. Well, I don't know if the the that's exactly... I'll be interested to hearing the I don't know if that's it exactly, but they started a long time ago before it was really on the radar like it is nowadays. So let's get into a little bit of manufacturing news though before we get to that interview, the manufacturing news that I have is very interesting. It's from the Connecticut WNPR. So I think it's like probably a division NPR. I don't quite understand that news organization, but I thought that this article was interesting. So the title of the article, which is from June 5th, 2018, is Six Inmates at Enfield Prison Receive Manufacturing Certificates. And, you know, the picture there shows two gentlemen who are current inmates, and they're very proudly sitting there in their cap and their gown and their garb and everything that they have there, and they've been educated in manufacturing. And, you know, it really kind of brings tears to my eyes when I see these guys that have had this story past. I don't know. I have no idea what it is that they've done, but they want to do something better in their lives. And there's such a... They just had some bad luck. It could have been bad. Yeah. Thing, or they probably made a lot of dumb decisions. Let's be honest. And about when it. we're young, we yeah. do dumb things, yeah, right? Exactly. So I think it's great that there's so many ex-prisoners that just end up going back to prison because they don't know anything better, but I'm glad to see that there's people that are doing things in order to educate these people, particularly in manufacturing, so they don't have to go back to something that could potentially put them back into prison. Yeah. And educating prisoners, educating students, educating people that are, you know, we always kind of joke around about baristas or baristas, however however you pronounce it. I think that all of these are great things and we really need to look at this from an education standpoint. Yeah, I, w- I want to read one quote
0: out of here, and this is the governor Daniel Malloy says this, he says, I hope you feel an obligation to be successful, not just for yourselves, Malloy said, not just for your family who loves you, but for what we're trying to do to change a history of mass incarceration in a system that, quite frankly, was ultimately a
1: revolving
0: door for incarceration. There so you go. that's exactly yeah. it, that's exactly right. And, you know, I know there's a big push for veterans in our industry, Yeah, too, veterans, so, another
1: one I missed, yep.
0: Yeah, so it's great. Good stuff. So let's get on to your interview. Yeah, why don't
1: we go to my interview? Sounds great. Jim, the East Building has four pavilions. Tell me what these pavilions mean to you. EDM. Electronic Discharge Machining
0: quality assurance. You guys make quality parts? Absolutely. And that's a big deal nowadays too, because everyone can machine parts, but not everybody can machine a quality part. How about controls and CAD-CAM? CAD-CAM is it, man. We use Mastercam in my shop. There's many, many other manufacturers, quality manufacturers of CAD-CAM systems. That and there's going to be
1: more this time around at IMTS. Very
0: well represented, I'm sure.
1: And then the last pavilion is components, cleaning, and environmental.
0: Environmental, another big thing. Got to keep your shops lot, clean. A lot of your big OEMs won't even do work with you unless you're on ISO 14001, which is an environmental certification. So Eat off that floor. You got to eat off that floor. You got everything's got to be 5S to the hilt. Place has got to look good. But uh, I'm telling you right now, if if you
1: want to find out about this stuff, go to IMTS.com.
0: IMTS, early bird pricing is before August 10th, September 10th through the 15th. Mark it on your calendar now.
1: So... I have in the studio with me Greg Jones, who is the Vice President of Smart Force Development at AMT, the Association for Manufacturing Technology. Greg is no newbie to manufacturing. He's been around manufacturing for many, many years. Previously, he was one of the brains behind the startup of Tooling You, which is also a, a great platform for educating people in the manufacturing industry. I happen to know, see You on the radar a lot lot as a distributor of, you know, cutting tools and tooling and stuff like that, that, you know, that's one of the places that we can go in order to educate our workforce. So Greg, I'd like to welcome you to the Making Chips studio. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Greg, you are in charge of SmartForce. Can you tell me just very briefly what is SmartForce? What does SmartForce do for AMT in order to help it achieve its mission?
2: Yeah, most of the work that I do is in education and workforce development, but we coined the term SmartForce development at AMT to convey that for workers coming into careers in the in our industry and manufacturing today, we really need to have more students who are educated in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math programs we need a smarter workforce coming into manufacturing because get your crystal ball out and let's take a look at where the manufacturing jobs are going to be coming from in the future. It's not your father's manufacturing industry. Yeah,
1: well, I agree. And, you know, we actually had a podcast called It's Not Your Father's Machine Shop. So we definitely resonate with that statement. So when did this impetus for the smart force and for educating students, when did that start? Because I know that this isn't like a new thing for AMT to be educating students.
2: It's not. We've been trying to this issue of the skills gap for decades now. It's really come to a head more recently. We're seeing a lot of emphasis on it in Washington, at the local level, at state levels. And AMT got involved in 1998. We did our first student summit at IMTS on behalf of the industry. And we've been doing one at IMTS every IMTS cycle since then.
1: And what was that original goal? Was it just to inspire students to go into manufacturing or was there a bigger goal than just that?
2: That was the goal. But as you can imagine, launching a new event like that within IMTS, the first year we mainly got educators and administrators to attend. Okay, so you
1: were targeting the administrators and the educators primarily?
2: All of the above, yeah. We want career and technical education teachers. We want STEM elementary school and middle school teachers. And of course we want engineering school teachers and administrators to come as well so that's a big part of the audience that attends the student summit at imts but of course we want the students there too and parent chaperones because it's important for us to change and have a positive impact on the general public's impression of manufacturing. So it's nice to have parents attend with their students. Absolutely. So I think I want to get into the IMTS aspect of your department, but what
1: exactly do you do outside of IMTS for the students?
2: Well, I I work a lot with policymakers in D.C. and with statewide consortiums of community college systems and, of course, career and technical education across the country. I'm on the board of directors of NIMS. So we strongly advocate for industry-recognized standards for education, industry-recognized credentials, and we do a lot of work around that. You're probably aware that the president signed an executive order about a year ago to create an interagency Task Force on Apprenticeship Expansion.
1: I, I actually wasn't aware of that. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, please tell us about that.
2: Yeah, the executive director of NIMS, Montez King, served on that. I, I have heard from Montez before. He's great. Yeah, He seems like a great guy. Yeah. Montez participated on the president's task force. It was an interagency task force, including education, labor, and commerce. So, Betsy DeVos and Alexander Acosta and Wilbur Ross were on that task force, along with many business leaders, Wes Bush from Northrop Grumman, Jay Timmons from the NAM, and many others. Montez King participated in that task force. They did a lot of work, really good work on what does the next generation apprenticeship look like in the U.S. and of course work on youth apprenticeships as well. That's going to be really important. So how do you devise curriculum that like all of these schools scattered
1: across the country can follow? Or what exactly was the, the final objective of what you were trying to accomplish?
2: You know, the overall objective is to make it clear that college isn't the only solution after high school. There are other options for students these days. And really, the data does not support that everyone should be going off to college. We need more skilled Or even, or like necessarily a university, because I mean, there's a
1: place for like an associate degree at a
2: community college as well. Absolutely, when I'm in front of students, the the thing that I always say is, community college is college. Absolutely. So they can start their community college career actually in high school in a dual education program, getting college credit while they're in high school. But an education, I'm sorry, an apprenticeship program would allow those students to work in industry, get an education at the same time. Their education is gonna be paid for through their apprenticeship program, and they can learn the skills that they need today and in the future as part of that apprenticeship program. You know, the year that I was born, a very long time ago, my father was an apprentice tool and die maker. And yeah, um, well,
1: Jim and I are very actively involved in the Technology and Manufacturing Association, and they started out as the Tool and Die Institute, and that was
2: their objective was to train tool and die apprentices. Right. As a country, we've simply gotten away from apprenticeships. They're still doing that very heavily in Europe. Why,
1: why did we get away from it? Yet Germany has always been moving like full steam ahead with their apprenticeship program. I mean, did we? Did we really lose the ball there? Did
2: we screw up when we did? that. I think so. Our country set ourselves on a path that said, everybody's got to go to college.
1: and I, Everybody's got to party. That's almost <laughs> yeah. what it seems like. Everybody's got to pay, you know, $30,000 to go have a big party. And yeah. I, th- yeah, I think well, that it was it feels a like that to parents. Yeah. I mean, I didn't graduate college not too long ago. I mean, and I studied my butt off. I was an engineer and I saw a lot of my peers partying a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to say I didn't
2: either, right. but... <laughs> the data just doesn't support it though. Only 50% of students who go to college graduate after six years. And the average student walks out of college with between thirty-five dollars and $40,000 in student loan debt. That's a really unsustainable way to start your path to the middle class in the U.S. So oh, we just want to make it more clear that there are other options and skilled Career training is one of those things. And doing apprenticeships is part of that. So the task force has completed their work. They sent their final report to the White House a couple of weeks ago now. I've been reading through that report, and I think we're going to see some really solid policies on apprenticeships coming down over the next few months and and years. So does that ultimately mean that that the White
1: House, is the objective for the White House to release federal funds as it relates to putting money towards these apprenticeships and funding the community colleges and the high schools and even the middle schools to get these students trained? Is that the the ultimate goal? It just comes down to the money
2: that is going to be provided? Yeah, there'll be some, some money, and it, it's not really taxpayer money. The fees are coming from H-1B visas. We don't really need to get into this, but there's a pool of money. I think it's about over $100 million that's going to be coming down. Oh, wow. And by the way, during the Obama administration... There was a heavy emphasis on apprenticeship programs over the last six years, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think these last two presidents, as wildly different as they are, the one good thing about both of them is that they were both very focused on manufacturing for different reasons, I think, but they both were focused on manufacturing.
2: Well, and for all the right reasons. We're the highest paying industry in the U.S., we do create over 12 million jobs, and we have a trickle-down effect on yeah, millions of more jobs.
1: And it's fun, it's innovative, it's yeah. creative, and all, all that kind of
2: stuff. Right. So. We generate $2 trillion in GDP, so, yeah, there's a lot going on in manufacturing in the U.S. So.
1: How does all of this affect the average manufacturing leader, the owner of a, you know, a small or medium-sized CNC machining company?
2: I think what I've seen over the years is a disconnect between the relationship that business owners in manufacturing have with their local educational institutions. So I encourage our member companies and all manufacturers to get more involved with their school districts, their career and technical high schools, their community colleges in their area. They can join an in- industry advisory council at those schools and just create the awareness of the types of jobs and open positions that they have at their manufacturing. Companies. Yeah, or
1: even just a meet your local STEM director or you know, whatever the title of that person is and just say, hey, I'm here. I own a manufacturing plant. I'd love to invite your students in. I'd love to get involved. I'd love to be a part of your, your steering committee. And I just want to see your program always getting better year after year and just get involved. I mean, we have to. We all have to be, play a part in that role. I think that that's the easiest first step to do. And I, I would imagine that all of those teachers would gladly say, yeah, come on board. I could use more people. I know I'm involved in the Leiden Technology Council, which encompasses like East and West Leiden, and they've got a great metals program. And they're always welcoming anybody and everybody to get involved in that program, and they just do a phenomenal job. And sometimes in order to get involved, you may have to help them get it started up, but you got to raise your hand. You got to play your part.
2: That's great. I didn't know that about your connection to Leiden. We get a lot of teachers and students Coming to the smart Force Student summit at IMTS. oh yeah they're they're, they're very Leiden involved. high school yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely
1: yeah my dad went to West Leiden and you know I think I had some family member that went to East Leiden so yeah we're involved in that
2: community right you know generally right now after the financial meltdown the skills gap in manufacturing the number of open positions that we had to fill but couldn't fill because we couldn't find the qualified people to fill those positions. The skills gap was running at about 600,000 a month right after the financial meltdown. It eased off a bit, and in the past few years, it had been about 320,000 open positions every month. More recently, it's ticked back up again. We're in the mid-fours, and of course, that changes on a month-to-month basis. But last year, Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute came out with a study of manufacturers that projected, unfortunately, that the skills gap could grow to 2 million by 2025. Wow. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Well, it's
1: got to be the retirement of the baby boomers.
2: That has some impact, certainly. There's going to be 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day for the next four years. Good grief. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a big part of the problem. And some of those baby boomers are engineers, right? So we're going to be having to replace all those folks. But the biggest part of the problem is that there's new innovations and technologies happening all the time. And we don't even know the kind of jobs that we're going to be training people for over the next 10 years. You know, it's interesting, when I was a senior in college, Congressman Jack Kemp, do you remember that name? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, he was an NFL quarterback and a congressman from Buffalo. And he came to my university and talked to all the college seniors who are about to graduate. And he said something that stuck with me for my entire career, and that was, 25 years from now, 50 percent of the jobs that exist today will not exist and we're seeing that very clearly in the next 10 and 20 years but i saw that very dramatically over the history of my career too yeah, right. you ever heard right. of an iPhone app developer when I was a senior in college? I well, certainly Well, you know,
1: even my company has changed drastically over the years. And part of what we do for manufacturing companies is we help them to increase their productivity, reduce their costs. And in order to do that, we're starting to get involved in implementing robotics into some of our clients. And if you told me that I was going to be doing that even five or 10 years ago, I probably would have thought you were nuts. So we're changing the type of people that we're bringing onto our team, the types of services that we're rendering to people because of the changing landscape in the manufacturing industry, because you have to, you have to change. I mean, one of the things that Jim and I always say as a part of making chips is that we're trying to get everybody to think differently about manufacturing and you need to do that. And things even 20
2: years from now are probably going to be a lot different too. Right. It's great that you're incorporating more robotics and automation into your shop. That's really important. The thing that we've got to battle against is the, the national press, the national media, and stories that automation is putting people out of work. We, We have data that says that for every robot that's been sold in the country since we started selling robots, five jobs have been created for every robot that's on the ground. That's in design, manufacturing, sales, service, support, back office operations. Automation and robotics have created jobs. Yeah, Even if that robot was replacing a person, even if, okay,
1: it doesn't matter because we need people to be moving to a different higher-end position anyway. So if their role was picking and placing items and that was replaced by a robot— that's great because now we can get them doing something that they can use their mind instead of just using their hands because we need those people in other places in the manufacturing process. Absolutely. And Part of this is that we need to educate them to take those higher-end jobs. So somebody that was the term that's always thrown around like a button pusher on a machine, let's educate that person and get them to do a higher-end job so that they can make more money, feel better about themselves, and really elevate their life for them and their family.
2: Sure. And we're going to be showing students what those jobs look like when they attend the Smart Force Student Summit at IMTS 2018. So let's talk about
1: what Smart Force is going to look like at IMTS.
2: AMT started doing these student summits in 1998. So this will be our 11th one at IMTS. And it's been growing by leaps and bounds. I started being responsible for producing the student summit at IMTS in 2012. And that year we had 9,300 educators, students, administrators, and parents attend. In 2014, we had over 15,000 students and teachers attend. Last cycle, 2016, we had over 17,000. That's great. We're drawing students in the post-secondary realm, that's community colleges and, and engineering schools, from 40 different states to Chicago for the student summit and to CIMTS. And generally, though, we want to encourage STEM elementary school students, STEM middle school students, high school students career and technical education, training high school students to attend. So we're really drawing from, you know, about a six-state, Great Lakes state area. Yeah, I was going to
1: ask you that. Is it mostly like that kind of local Midwest area yeah.
2: where students are coming from? Very heavily from Illinois, Wisconsin, Southwest Michigan, Northwest Ohio, certainly Indiana. Really six states in the, in the Great Lakes area. Okay. We get students from New York, Pennsylvania, Kentucky... Who are high school students? Well, I
1: think manufacturing leaders out
2: there bring your kids. You know what I mean? Like, come on the weekend, take them out of school for a day, and right. bring your bring your kid to IMTS. I Absolutely, mean, and I see that a lot. I talk to people in our industry who, yeah. who've brought their kids. And and IMTS goes through Saturday. So we see a lot of manufacturing families attend on Saturday. Absolutely. So I have a daughter
1: who's almost 12 and she's going to be going into seventh grade next year. She goes to a private foreign language school here in the city of Chicago. They do have STEM programs there and she's come to IMTS for the last like six years. So I remember when she was, oh gosh, she she must've been six years old. And I took her there and she loved the robotics. I mean, that was like her favorite part about it. Like they had some robots that were you know just picking and placing items really quickly and she thought it was really cool. But how do I get her and her classmates and her school to take some time off of school to come down to McCormick Place and learn and get inspired and get equipped as a classroom?
2: Schools can find more information about how to register for the student summit and all the activities and content that will be there at imts.com slash student. Great. And that's what we really want them to do. And and maybe I can even convince
1: you to do something special for my daughter's class. We'll have to talk about that. Sure. The other thing that I did notice about the SmartForce student summit is that there's a competition. Is this kind of like, you know, the world cup is going on and is this like a, like little Germany versus USA student competition? What exactly is this?
2: Well, since the President's Task Force on Apprenticeship Expansion happened recently, we thought it'd be great to have an apprentice competition happening during the summit. So you'll be able to see that. They'll be working directly on machines and and making parts. That's just one component of the summit. We'll have 3D printing challenges for students. We'll have robotic challenges for students. We're going to have a student mentor lab so that Older college students and some senior high school students can show their engineering projects, their robotic projects, and their PLC projects to younger students to get them excited about careers in the industry. And then we're actually going to be pointing students to specific areas of the student summit so that they can see what a career in manufacturing looks like. So if they want to be a CAD designer, a CNC programmer, a mechatronics oh, they technician. they can
1: test that out, huh?
2: Yeah. Oh, that's great. We're going to have signage that's going to direct them to each one of the booths where they can see and experience how to do that job. So you can what see it what like. it's
1: like to see an end mill ripping across a, a piece of metal and like, you know, that thrill that you get when you see, right. when you see that machine tool
2: making chips. So. Absolutely. You know, in the past, we never made chips at a student summit. Okay. Beginning in 2014, for the first time ever, we did start making chips. So some of the manufacturers that engage with us have machines that are actually running and making parts. Great. So, How do Gemini, how does
1: Making Chips, how does the Metalworking Nation get more involved in the Smart Force Student Summit and AMT's mission to educate more students?
2: Get involved with your local educational institutions generally. Do a Manufacturing Day event at your company in October. Come to IMTS and visit the Student Summit. We're in Hall C in McCormick Place. We're going to have about 25,000 square feet of exhibit space under roof. The footprint of the Student Summit is about 40,000 square feet. Lots of interesting content and experiences that the students will be able to have. We will have some next-generation educational tools in the Student Summit this year as well. There will be augmented reality Virtual reality headsets, (laughs) yeah. So lots of AR, VR applications from some of the leading manufacturers in our industry. And we want to be able to show educators what the manufacturing industry's view of the next generation classroom of the future is going to look like. Great. Greg, it's been a pleasure. I definitely learned something
1: here today and I'm really, really super excited for what IMTS and AMT and what you're doing in order to inspire that next generation of leaders because we need it. And for somebody to look at manufacturing and say, I don't want to get into that. That's dirty. I mean, they've just they've just got it wrong. I mean, AR, VR, 3D printing, robotics. I mean, how cool is Smart that? Smart manufacturing, I mean, we're talking, we're talking industrial like sta- internet yeah. of things. Yeah, we're talking like yeah. Star Wars type stuff. I mean, there right. could be somebody from my daughter's classroom. Maybe my daughter could be building the next, you know, three CPO or BB-8 or something like that. Sure. I mean, you just never know. Yeah. So,
2: Greg, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jason. <laughs>
1: So, Jim, what do you think of Greg Jones? what do you, What do you think of what he's doing in order to equip and inspire the students, the next generation of manufacturing leaders? I've got one word: BAM. That nice. was
0: that was really powerful. Good. I had Great. absolutely no idea. I took a lot of notes while I was listening in to your interview, but there were just a couple of things that were very impactful that Greg. Mentioned. Tell me what they are. He said twenty-five years ago, Congressman Jack Kemp said fifty percent of today's job will not exist in the future. So, quite honestly, look at how it's changing. Look oh, at the yeah, iterations absolutely. Of work. And there was one other statement that he said. Nobody's training to be the next Bridgeport operator right now, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, tool and die making is you know completely different from what it used to be years ago. What we've done is we've just evolved the industry, and it's great. When you say we've evolved the industry, you're talking Jim and Jason. Oh, no, I think Jason. We're have. doing the best we can. If people want to be receptive to listening to what we're trying to do, I we're know, trying. I'm to, just kind of we're around. trying to. It's okay. Yeah. We're trying to equip and inspire people to do better. And by all means. Wow. I had absolutely no idea that this had started in 1998 at AMT, this student summit, and smart force development. I guess I was blind to it back then. I had absolutely no idea. You know, I thought IMTS was just for CNC business owners that wanted to go look for a new uh, CNC machine. machine. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And IMTS has just evolved into this mecca of... It's way more than just a machine tool show anymore. It's education. It's everything. It's everything that w- we at Making Chips are trying to do in a six day period. But it, it just goes to
1: show that you need so many voices and so many people really helping to elevate manufacturing to the next level. Touche. But you know another thing too that Greg mentioned. He said that
0: every. Robot sold creates five new jobs. And you know, remember our good friend Brian Panic? Of course. He owns a CNC machine shop in Northbrook. his,
1: His business has only exploded because of implementing those robots.
0: Right. When we interviewed him a couple years ago, he only had like 20 robots on his shop floor. And he told us at that time that his shop floor people were concerned that the robot was going to replace them. And he says, now we have 42. And what we're doing is we're just taking those people from the shop floor that were doing this manual, hard, dangerous labor. And they're putting them, they're up, ticking them to higher positions within the company.
1: Well, the whole name of the game right now, as I see it, and as my manufacturing clients are telling me, is it's all about throughput right now. It is. Through- everybody, you know, whether it's throughput in design, but like they're all telling me we need to get more parts out per hour. And that's what those robotics help you with. And that's what everybody is trying to do, whether they're upgrading their tooling, whether they're upgrading their machine tool technology, whether they're upgrading their software, whether or they're or implementing robotics i mean it's all about the throughput because the demand is high it is and you need we to be call able it to do parallel
0: processing. processing yeah so yeah. we need to process things concurrently more often so and in it the roll, simplest and of
1: terms, the spindle's got to stay running. Yeah, the whole idea of there's two types of robot. There's what we're talking about right now is the collaborative robot, and that's what it helps you do because it collaborates with the person in order to run processes at the same time. So it's a good way of putting it.
0: Yeah. I was surprised to hear that there's 40 different states where students will be coming from. I mean, obviously, I know Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, Iowa. Missouri. Those are going to be the big states, but... 40, that's huge. And that gets me really, really excited about this industry because I think the perception is starting to really change.
1: Oh, it is. Because it's looking cool. It's looking like a Star Wars movie nowadays. And I think that that's a cool part about it is that the kids are enthused about it because they can make really cool things.
0: And another thing too, Jason, he mentioned... At the Smart Summit in that 25,000 square foot facility, they're going to be targeting different levels and layers of manufacturing leaders there. Like if a student is interested in mechatronics or additive or CNC programming or CAD CAM or Internet of Things, they can go within the Student Smart Force Summit and learn about those particular layers of manufacturing. Well, it's skill almost sets. like they're
1: getting on the job with it and yeah. like what it would be like to be involved in that
0: directly. Boy, I really hope that some of these elementary, middle school, high school, and post high school leaders bring their students to to just digest all this great stuff. Because students and young people are like big sponges. When they see things that are really exciting for them, they just Pull it in like a
1: sponge, and that's what gets everybody excited. Yeah. About so the I, industry. I've got two calls to action for the manufacturing leaders out there. One would be do what Greg and I talked about, which is get involved in your local education. Talk to the middle schools. Talk to the high schools. You can even go and talk to the great schools and just get them excited about what it means to have a career in manufacturing, and just get involved and do your part and get the next generation inspired. And then I guess the next thing would be figure out what you can do to bring a student to IMTS to get involved in the Smart Force Student Summit because they're going to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a great time here in Chicago, even if it's bringing one of your kids to IMTS. If you think to yourself, well, you know, this is a business trip, you know, that's okay. Bring bring your wife and your kid with or your husband and your kid with. And if you're a woman manufacturing leader and just, you know, get them to get enthused about um, what IMTS... TS has to offer to the students. Yeah.
0: College isn't the only option.
1: Or maybe it's community college. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, bam. bam.
2: And many of them are at makingchips.com.
1: Wait, what? <laughs> um, I didn't know you are were... I'm confused. Uh...